A pleasant good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watched exclusively, heard and watched right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Coles Brown, on a huge Saturday. Not only in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, but HBCU uh, football, of course. Jackson State traveling to Huntsville. Game of the week in the conference. I believe everyone will agree with me. Uh, also, if you want to look at perhaps the second most interesting game will be Grambling State at Alcorn State. But here on the guest menu, it looks like this. Ryan McGinty, Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University. He jumps in on the Coles Brown Show uh, preview. Give us an update on Texas Southern. Texas Southern and Southern University today at 4 p.m. in Arlington, Texas. The Arlington Showdown, the inaugural uh, game. He'll give us his perspective. You know, Ryan McGinty is uh, never lost for words. He'll give his opinion, his perspective on that ball game. Then uh, following Ryan McGinty will be uh, Morel Mo Carter of WZDX Fox 54. He jumps in on Coles Brown show and uh, given a perspective on Alabama and them hosting Jackson state is homecoming, by the way, homecoming at all corner state as well. Then in hour number two, Brandon BJ Jones of inside HBCU football. He'll join me audio only. He's at a great venue. I'll let him tell you about that. Um, uh, but he'll join me. He'll uh, reveal his top five. That's his top five poll. Black college football. That'll be interesting. I guess you can agree, disagree, what have you. And then last but not least, as usual, I swag uh, sports report with Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State radio network so that that's against menu on today's coles brown show october the 9th 2021 um let's simply get into it right now um enjoyed the dialogue last week uh with uh, the southern knights swag knights talking about skeleton being replaced as the starter at southern university and uh, since that time uh, Bubba McDaniels, uh, Glenn McDaniels, he has uh, been uh, set aside now as a starter again. And we had an interesting conversation. We, we talked about a dual-threat quarterback and just my definition of what a dual-threat quarterback is. And, and, I, and I'll give it to you again, just, just my definition of a dual-threat quarterback. It's a quarterback that can do both equally well. That means he can make all the throws. He can go through his progressions. He can run the offense. He's the point guard on the football team. He controls everything offensively. And then the second part of that definition is just quite simply when he can't make the throws or if everything is covered, then he is athletic enough that he can uh, make uh, produce a positive play with his athleticism or, or his leg. So to me, a dual threat quarterback is a quarterback that can do both equally well. He can do both. He can do both. 
Now, talking with, uh, I guess, my, my, my best friend this past week and, and some uh, close associates, they thought the term would be an athletic quarterback is another term. And, and an athletic quarterback is simply an athlete at the quarterback position. To say all of this, to say this, Southern University now, in my humble opinion, and the offensive coordinator, Coach Grossi, I think they're going to utilize still Skelton at, at, at quarterback, but you'll see him like uh, the Saints use Taysom Hill. I believe, and it's just my opinion, you'll see him uh, at running back, at quarterback. You, you may even see him at wide receiver. You've got to utilize his athleticism. And I think for some university, developing a, a special package for Skelton. And, and you'll see Skelton and McDaniels in the game at the same time. So that is going to be very, real, real interesting how going forward Southern University gets things done on an offensive standpoint. Now, they had an open date, and Coach Rollins talked about it could not have come at a better time. Defensively, you had several players with you know, bumps and bruises. You'll, you'll get all of those back um, as well as some on the offensive side. But they're, they're going to face a Texas Southern football team coming off a, a big victory over North American University. And I'll, I'll be honest, never heard of North American University. But they win their homecoming last week, 69-0. to zero. Maybe Ryan McGinty can give us uh, some more information on North American uh, University. But if you also can look at Texas Southern switch quarterbacks and against Rice, you know, the week before, and they were able to put up all those just about 500 yards of total offense playing up. To me, this Texas Southern team is, is, is very dangerous. And I will just say this, Southern University, they are, their offensive line is – um, one of the best offensive lines in, in, on the FCS level. They're going to have to establish themselves today. They're going to have to run the football. And I look for them to do that, run the football, mix it in with pat, with the passing routes. I think they're going to have to be balanced on, on offense. But they're going to establish the run. And, and the best way to keep Texas Southern's explosive offense off of the field is for Southern University to be able to run the football, control the line of, of scrimmage, and we talked about you know, a couple of weeks ago how this football team, in my humble opinion, has been uh, consistently inconsistent. You know, defensively, they gave up uh, over 400 yards to Miles College. Credit to Miles College. They came in and, uh, well, coached football team. Then against uh, McNeese, uh, they only gave up, what, 263 total yards in a losing effort. Of course, some injuries against Mississippi Valley State. They were able to uh, get some yards against Southern University. So when you look at this team going forward, they've got to be consistent. And they've got to win each week. Today is week that they've got to win. Next week, they're on the road against Arkansas Pine Bluff. They can't be looking ahead. They've got to. They really have to take care of business today against 
uh, Texas Southern University. So Ryan McGinty will preview uh, Texas Southern University. Morell McCarter will preview the Alabama and m Jackson State game. We'll, we'll also look at the SWAC standings, and, and you're starting to see uh, that race develop with Prairie View uh, leading the Western Division. Uh, they're undefeated. Southern University undefeated. Alcorn State undefeated in the Western Division. These races are going to be uh, tremendous races going forward. And as you get deeper into October, you're going to have some tough, tough ball games. You're going to meet uh, the cream of the crop in the divisions. Jackson State and Alabama A&M, the winner of this game, uh, will have a leg up. And, boy, Alabama A&M last week turned the ball over on consecutive series. And they were at Grandma State University. Grandma State uh, went with a new quarterback, the freshman sensation. Alabama and, I mean, Jack, excuse me, Grandma State took advantage of those turnovers and they were able to upset Alabama A&M. Was it a case of Alabama A&M looking ahead to Jackson State? Mm, I don't know. But was it a case of Grandma State University taking advantage of turnovers and taking advantage of that and able to go in and, and get the victory at home. So when you look at all of these uh, equations, and probably a little bit of all of them, where Grandma State's able to go in at home and defeat uh, Alabama and them. Now today they take on all corn State on the reservation. It uh, simply should be interesting. B.J. Jones in hour number two gives his top five football teams in HBCU football, and of course, Charles Edmond of the Southwestern Athletic Conference Sports Report. Going to take a quick timeout. When I come back, I'm scheduled to visit with Ryan McGinty. He's on the road, I guess, to Arlington, Texas, but he's scheduled to join me next. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. It's something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. 
It's like a loot machine. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. It's like a loot machine. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show, right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown, making some adjustments here. I'm going to visit now with uh, Brandon B.J. Jones, and then I'm going to add Ryan McGinty, Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University. He will be joining me as well, and uh, we'll talk with Rel Mo Carter. He'll be joining us as well. B.J., good morning to you. Wait for BJ. BJ, good morning. Well, hey, BJ, hey, good, oh, morning. hey, good afternoon. Good morning. There you go. How you how you doing, BJ? Hello. Yes, I was asking how you doing Hello. on this. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. We'll try oh, to get. Man, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good, man. How's it going? Oh, we're doing all right. A uh, big week here in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. You got some big games, of course. Everyone is talking about uh, Jackson State at Alabama A&M, Alabama A&M's homecoming. And then also you can also look at a, a Grambling State football team coming off an upset of Alabama A&M. Hosting, hosting. I mean, excuse me, at Alcorn State. What, what do you think about that, BJ? Some huge games. Yeah, let's see, Ryan McGinty. Ryan, hey, how you doing, Carlos? Can you how you me? doing, man? I, I appreciate it. I know you're, you're traveling uh, to the destination, Arlington, Texas. Uh, how's it been for you? 
All good. I'm traveling with uh, two legends. I don't know if I should put the phone on them because I don't want to expose how they travel. Uh, <laughs> in Devin Wade and uh, Larry Chatterbox Hell. So it's my first trip with them, ironically, for the first time. So uh, <laughs> it's well, we, we about a few hours in and it's been entertaining to say the least. How, how far is that trip for you guys going from Houston to, to, to Arlington? Well, we will say four hours, but today, obviously, you're dealing with the Cowboys game this weekend. UT Oklahoma is going on right now in Dallas. And, you know, and there's only basically two ways in Dallas, uh, 45 North. And if you're coming from Waco, 35. And then you got Alabama and Texas A&M tonight. So all your, your alternate route is taken also. So it's about four hours on a good day. It could be five and six uh, on a bad day. Well, an interesting game in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, a Western Division game, Texas Southern and, and Southern University. Um, Texas Southern coming off of a uh, win over North American University, uh, a change of quarterback a couple of weeks ago against Rice and Texas Southern, almost, what, 500 yards of total offense. Why, Ryan, should we be very nervous if you're a Southern University fan, because Texas Southern University, offensively, uh, they have been doing well as of late. Well, uh, if I can go back about three years ago, well, it's 21, about three years ago, uh, when Skelton, remember when he first hit the scene, uh, and I want to say it could have been Pine Bluff or somebody, and, you know, he was a dual threat guy, can throw the ball, change the whole kind of trajectory of Southern he is a run pass option. I think Rice saw it. We didn't really need to see too much of it as he only played one half. But Rice got the full dose of him. Um, entertaining player to watch. You know, you don't know when he's going to pull it and run for 50 yards or he'll throw it. And, you know, wide receiver Keelan Davis has been um, – has come on fire lately. Uh, like Chad about to say, five beta signals on. Uh, number 10 <laughs> is our wideout. But the biggest thing is, if you go back since 2018 or 2017, I pulled up the stats the other day, we've seen every quarterback on Southern's roster. Uh, in the Lampley kid, uh, Bubba McDaniel, and Skelton. And all of them has had some kind of world when TSU and Southern has played. Outside of the game last year, uh, which got away from us in the second half, the 2019 game came down to a fumble or interception late when we were trying to tie the game and then the year before it was like 18 to 7 it was a very ugly game in Dallas so I think uh, history said it's going to be close especially at a neutral site and so uh, that should be one reason why I think fans should you know we're excited about it and then now we got someone that's helping us move the ball and we having some success offensively so we can just you know have that and in our defense make some stops when needed I think, you know, the game could be very, very interesting, to say the least. I agree. Visiting with Ryan McGinty, Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University. Uh, Andrew, what's the, how do you, how you pronounce the last name? Body. Body, okay. You know, I'm from South Louisiana. That could have actually been Bodie, but Andrew Body um, changed quarterback, freshman from Corpus Christi, Texas. What is the... Um, difference between him and Jalen Brown. I remember Jalen Brown, but apparently 
Andrew Bonnie has all of the ingredients of being an outstanding uh, quarterback? Uh, the difference is pretty much if you look at both of them, one is a thicker quarterback, which is brown, and body is uh, a little slimmer. Uh, maybe about, let's say, I'm just going to estimate body could be 190. Brown's about 240. Uh, Brown's more your traditional pocket guy. Can, uh, you know, can make all the throws. It's just, uh, you know, in the swag sometimes, you know how that go in terms of a pocket guy. But uh, you give him time. Uh, he can make he can make it pay. You saw last his first game ever was against Southern when he was pressing action. Uh, you know, if you watch the old movie, uh, was it any given Sunday Jamie Foxx character? He right. was sitting back in the red. That was Jalen Brown against Southern last year. He was reading the newspaper against Prairie View. The next thing you know, he was bumped up to first string uh, after two injuries. So it's just one of those deals where um, it's, it's a great problem to have. Well, we got two great options at quarterback. And even if we got to go to our third option, he was a uh, transfer from Jackson State, Brandon Mallory. Uh, so we have three experienced quarterbacks on the roster. Brian, it, it seems to be, and maybe you could help me out with this, because it, even Texas Southern, just the description uh, you've given, you have dual-threat quarterbacks or uh, athletes at quarterback. Then you have the, the, the pocket passer. Uh, you look at the kill glass, pocket passer. Do you think in the future you're going to see a little bit of both quarterbacks, or is the trend still going to be a, a dual-threat quarterback in, in, in this conference? Better have two to three. Regardless, because you never know when they all be pressed action for the next because you just never know. But I think the future in one time everybody wanted to spread quarterback. Everybody you know you saw the Kendrick Lord types. Uh, then you saw the Steve McNair types. And then so I, I think it just all depends on your personnel, what's available to you and how good your line is. Because uh you know I, I think some coaches would love to have that one type quarterback, but I, the way this football the sport works now you better have two or three. Uh, and you just have to adjust to their strengths uh, if you want to be successful in the swag. Because this is a quarterback, quarterback driven league. You know that at Southern. And I was there uh, as a student when the Jacoby Sam George uh, deal happened in '95 and in '96. And you made adjustment with Jacoby, and Southern went seven and four that year, lost to TSU, I remember. And then the next year went 11 and one with both quarterbacks playing. So you better just be ready to go because you never know when you got to use them. He had Troy Williams came right after that. And he was kind of a hybrid also. Right. Well, Coach McKinney has, uh, I'm sure, his, his defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that he's prepared to, to, to face both. Did he say this past week is, is they're going to be prepared for, for both? And, and is there one – or other that Coach McKinney and this Texas Southern defense feels more comfortable facing? I think they're just preparing for whoever's out there. Like like I said, the good thing, we've seen all quarterbacks because uh, McDaniel threw for 252 yards off the bench in 2019. And then last year, we saw Skelton. Um, and, you know, then Lampley, some few guys on defense have seen him. 
they didn't see McKinney have not seen him, but uh, I think in this situation, we're preparing for whoever's out there. I'll be honest with you, uh, because you know, in this, like you said, you know, you may end up seeing both indirectly anyway. And history says you will see two quarterbacks for Southern and TSU. Ryan, how about seeing on Southern's part McDaniel's and Skelton in on some plays at the same time? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just this idea. I don't worry about the scheme. Oh, come on. Uh, I mean, anyone, anyone that follows Southern's offense knows Skelton, and you read the message boards, everyone knows I've heard Skelton referred to as everything. Uh, so you may see him something else. You know, some people said his next level of ability is, is going to be at another position. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if any any smart OC worth they will, will find a way to put the best athletes on the field at the same time. Interesting. Uh, visiting with Ryan McGinty, the Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University. Uh, we appreciate the time, Ryan. Yeah, I know you're traveling. Um, last thing for you, if Texas Southern is to win the ball game, three things that they're going to have to do, in your humble opinion, and at the end of the day, Texas Southern wins. What 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 three things Texas Southern must do? Well, not to sound coach speakish, but uh, obviously. We need to score. That's the main thing. We got to score. Secondly, we got to make stops on defense at crucial time. I mean, Southern's offense is explosive, so I'm not expecting us to do what we did last week when we held them to 29 yards of offense or something like that. Uh, that we know that, but we got to make stops at the right time and get turnovers, like kind of like we did against Rice, which we was one turnover away from making a one possession game. We could have punched in late, early in the fourth quarter. And third, we just got to not let our emotions get to us. Um, you know, when you go down, let's say four, let's say we go down 14 points, can't put our head down and expect, you know, and, and let the game get away. I think we learned at Rice. That was a big thing that happened. We went down early. You know, one thing I liked about McKinney and staff, they did not have our heads stay down long. They came right back up. We hit on some big plays right back in the game against Rice, Division One opponent. Uh, and look, and look how it held right. They turned around and beat Southern Miss last week. I don't know if that's saying much, but, you know, as I say, we, we could play with that caliber opponent. And I think the momentum and the will was there. Kenny did mention the locker room has changed in a matter of a week because of a win. If we get all those elements, I think that can help us for the game. Uh, that's our three keys to winning. And I guess let me throw this also in two and get our band going because we know the, the, there's a rivalry around the field between – Brian Simmons, our new band director, and Southern's director. We can get our band, get that thing going and keep that jukebox shut. Uh, I think that's the fourth key no one's talking about. <laughs> so you get all those four keys, I think that'll without go well enough. Ryan, I always smile. The uh, human jukebox influence is just outstanding through this conference. And, it, and, and even you, Ryan, uh, you know, that Louisiana – flavor so uh I, I i'm i'm congratulating you because you were being very nice today sometimes you know you can uh throw a rock and hide your hand <laughs> that, was, that was my younger days but hey i'll tell you i'm fall 96 southern human jukebox so i did two years under dr greg so that holds a special place in my heart uh when it comes to the band uh over there so i tell people i got 60 hours at southern university 
finished up at Prairie View, but I grew up watching TSU and I'm working at TSU. So uh, I'm back home, but I, I, I you know, it's, not, it's about the ocean today. You know, I want this yeah. win. You know, if, it was, if I was 22, I might say something different, but things have changed in my life. <laughs> but I just appreciate being on your platform and uh, looking forward to a good game today. You know, you know, we'll have Chatterbox back on your next uh, next uh, Saturday. Him. Well, I tell you what, tell, tell Chatterbox, he's, he's famous, but he's got to answer back in time. And, and Delvin Wade, look forward to working with everybody. Uh, appreciate the, the time, uh, Ryan. Be safe, you guys, on your travel, and we'll talk again real soon. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank, thank, thanks right. a lot, Later. Ryan. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Carlos. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. We're going to take a time out. I'm scheduled to uh, join with Morel Mo Carter uh, coming up next, but we'll take a quick time out. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN. So we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you got, you guys do for us. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Now I'm going to visit with Morel Mo Carter of WZDX Fox Sports 54 in Huntsville. Mo, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Carlos. How's it going, my friend? 
Man, it's going well. An exciting time in, in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And boy, you're right in the cusp of a huge matchup. Jackson State at Alabama A&M homecoming there. And, and Mo, a lot of conversation but from Coach Maynard. We we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. It was entertaining, but I like what your report that you had. We're not going to talk about that. We got to actually talk about the game. So, uh, oh, that's the that's the that's the young one, the little one. Yeah, got the little, got the got the future, um, got the future HBCU star in the building too. Say, hey, Mr. Carlos. Hey there. <laughs> uh, he, he's growing. Congratulations. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, man, it's um, after a couple of days of having all uh, jawjacking and uh, trash talk here, there, or whatever, I'm like, okay, I got to talk about the game itself. And of course, when it balls all down to it, one of the main things we have to take a look at is how Alabama A&M's offense will stack, stack up against Jackson State's defense. Alabama A&M has the top offense in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. While Jackson State, they lead in several defensive categories in the swag on their side of the ball. They have the leading sack leader. I think they have the guy for tackles for loss leader and the second tackle for loss leader, while Alabama A&M has the top receiver, quarterback, running back, and also um, touchdown maker. So, yeah, that I had to go with the X's and O's when it came to that report early in the week just to kind of, you know, talk about what the real factors are for that game. Well, it is, of course, a very important game, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a Alabama and them team offensively. It's a juggernaut. Jackson State, the best defense in the conference. Is it the immovable object against the irresistible force? Can, can we put it in that notion for this ball game uh, today at 2 p.m., Mo? Absolutely. I, I think it really just boils down to that because at the end of the day, you know, we know what both of these units – well, we know both of these units are the strongest for, for their teams. Now, look, I'm not discrediting Jackson State's offense or whatever – or Alabama A&M's defense, who everybody thinks Alabama A&M's defense is straight garbage, but when you look at the stats, they're actually kind of middle of the pack, and they've made some plays when they need to make. But, you know, the headliners is the A&M offense against Jackson State's defense. And even when you go a little bit further for the head coaches, think about it. Connell Maynard, you know, was a all-star quarterback during his MEAC days and also during the arena football days. And we also know what Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime was in his playing days. So it even goes as far as that when you look at the offense versus the defense. I think the big thing is going to be who is going to get the upper hand and who can find a way to basically steal a possession or who's able to jump on top or whatever and then create more momentum. I think those are going to be some of, some of the key factors we're going to see today in this big old game. Well, it's interesting, and you brought up Alabama and them defensively, if I can, because I, I think it, it's going to be uh, questions to be asked, uh, answered in, in this ball game. Can Alabama and them defense, although middle of the pack, can they step it up a notch? Can Jackson State get their running game going? Because I'm sure they're going to want to keep Alabama and them an explosive offense off the field and limit their possessions. But let me go back if I can, Mo, uh, last week. Turnover City for Alabama and them. I guess this is a legitimate question. Was Alabama and them kind of looking ahead 
to this to this ball game, or was it just that Grambling State took advantage of those turnovers and they were able to take advantage of it, or was it a combination of both? It Carlos was last week. So, Carlos, it was a true combination of both. Um, this weekend, last week, I have the opportunity of, you know, hosting Coach Maynard's uh, football recap show and, you know, just talking about those things or whatever, and he basically broke it down. He was like, look, he told his team, you got a huge October ahead of you. However, this Grambling team is better than what it looks like on paper. And you and I both know strange things happen when teams go to Eddie Robinson Stadium, especially when Grambling is basically almost down in their luck and they need some type of momentum to boost them moving forward. So that's what kind of ended up happening or whatever. He admitted that his coaching staff probably didn't do the best job of keeping their guys motivated moving forward for what was going to happen on last Saturday. Now you take that plus the fact that um, Grambling State, they looked at the tape that Tuskegee had against um, against Alabama A&M, and they were like, okay, look, if, if Tuskegee can do it, we can kind of do it too. Our good friend A.D. Drew from the BCSN Sports Rap had kind of talked about that as well. So Tuskegee kind of put together a nice little blueprint of what you can do to kind of knock Alabama and them off their course when it came to either the delayed blitzes or getting your hands up, blocking the um, bad, bad, well, batting balls down, and just finding ways to steal momentum, even stealing possessions on sky kicks and onside kicks. So Coach Fobbs and Coach Graves, got to give Coach Graves a whole lot of props or whatever. You know how close he and I were during the days when we were both at Southern University. They did a really, really good job. Um, game planning for Alabama A&M, and then Grambling State's team, you have to give them props. You have to go ahead and say that they played their best ball when they needed to be against a Alabama A&M team that was a high favorite. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, Carlos, there is no way in the world that you're going to turn over the ball six times and have a high percentage of winning a championship. And it's kind of funny because Grambling had a chance to put the game away, and then they threw an interception with about two minutes ago, and I'm sitting there like, okay, Aquil Glass is going to eliminate all this and then go down the field, lead them to a touchdown. Well, what does Grambling do? They followed their blueprint. They had delayed blitzes. They got their hands up, tip ball, interception, ball game on ice right then and there. So, yeah, they did a lot of good things against Alabama A&M, and I think that's really made the Bulldogs realize that, hey, we're invincible, and also they need to step up the game from that. One thing I can say, I was at practice earlier this week for Alabama A&M, and with them on that, one thing I can tell you is that for Alabama A&M, they, um, they, they seem to be quite focused. They were very, very focused. Well, I think from the outside looking in, uh, a couple of key matchups, because we've talked about Jackson State and just the pressure that they bring. They play a lot of uh, in their past defense, a lot of man-to-man coverage. How important Alabama and ms offensive line versus Jackson State defense. Uh, Mo, can we say that's one of the first matchups that we're going to look at in this ball game? Absolutely. You have to find a way, if you're Alabama A&M, to protect a quill glass at all costs. I'll be honest with you. Aquil Glass will probably have about three seconds, maybe four tops to get his passes off today because Jackson State's front front four knows how to push the narrative and knows how to get pressure up front. So I think Alabama A&M has been able to look at that, and because they are looking at that, 
they're going to be able to either counteract that or, I hate to say it, or whatever, if Jackson State gets the upper hand, then things may not turn out too well for Alabama A&M. But that's the main thing they're looking at. And I think the next thing is after that is protecting the football. I mean, we just talked about the six turnovers last week. They got to protect the football. So, yeah, first thing is protecting glass um, within that front with the, with the guys in the trenches and then protecting the football. I think those are the first two narratives you have to take a look at when it comes to um, that offense against the defense. And also I, I look at Jackson State on on offense. Of course, they rely on, on, on Shure Sanders a lot in the passing game. But their their rush, rushing attack has been anemic this year. Will Will Mo Carter go? Uh oh! If Jackson State is let's say averaging at least three or four yards running the football, because I, I I'm a person that believes you just got to be be able to be balanced offensively. But uh, Mo, are are you going to say uh oh if you see Jackson State averaging three to we'll say three yards to four yards rushing the football today? Oh, absolutely. I can say, uh-oh, I can raise my eye like rock or whatever when it comes to it because Jackson State has not done a good job running the football this year. Even in this press conference um, earlier this uh, week, Coach Deion Sanders said it himself. He was like, look, we've got to run the football efficiently. I mean, Shadur's been putting up good numbers, but if they don't have some sort of balance, then at the end of the day, they've got to find a way to, you know, run the football or they're going to, you know, throw Shadur's arm out to death, to be honest with you. So, yeah, they've got to find a way to run the football. And I don't think it's just Jackson State that has to find a way to run the football. Alabama A&M's got to do a better job, too. They've got Gary Quarles, the leading rusher in the SWAT. He got nicked up in about the second quarter last week against Grambling, and all of a sudden we see a Quill Glass throw 62 times. So, honestly, it's both teams that's going to have to find a way to run the football, and that's how he kind of helped um, control the line of scrimmage. Good point. I'm visiting with Mo Carter, WZDX. Uh, Fox 54 in Huntsville, uh, previewing from his perspective, uh, Jackson State at uh, Alabama A&M. Mo, who's who, who's the most pressure? Who's under the most pressure? Is it Coach Maynard and the offensive staff, or the defensive staff? And then TC Taylor now reports have come out that he's going to be the new offensive coordinator, or calling the plays. Who has the most pressure? Honestly, I think the pressure is more on Alabama A&M, and primarily because of this. For them, Coach Maynard has said it best in our media session with him early in the week. Every game for Alabama A&M moving forward is a playoff-type game because they can't afford to lose another game. Sure, the Grambling game was a loss to a non-divisional foe or whatever, but at the same time, you know how the conference breakdowns go and if it balls down to, let's say, Alabama A&M falls to, you know, falls to Jack State or whatever, all of a sudden they've got two losses in, in the L column, and while Jack State still doesn't have a loss in the swag column. So all of a sudden you have to rely on other people to get you back into the race. So truly, I really think it is a bigger situation, a bigger pressure cooker for Alabama A&M overall, not just whatever side of the staff or the ball it is, offense or defense. It's like the whole entire team, especially if they want to repeat as a division champ, go to the Swag Championship and go to the Celebration Bowl. Now, I will be remiss if I did not say that Jackson has a little pressure on them because now they're the number one team in most of the black college football polls. And 
it's time for them to go ahead and prove it. How do they prove it? They get a chance to go into the into the backyard of the team that was the reigning champs and was number one most of the year. So there's a little bit of pressure on Jackson, but I also say I think more pressure is on Alabama A&M just because of the scenarios and what they got moving forward happening. And well, correct me if I'm wrong. Next week, boy, now that you can look forward, uh, look ahead, um, Alabama and them and FAMU? Yes, sir. That's in Huntsville, correct? Correct. Wow. You remember the last time I think you were on the show, we were talking about the month of October. And if things fell right, Alabama and them would have a, 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 a nice path to the Eastern Division Championship. Now, we didn't know that Alabama and it would trip up against Grambling State University. But again, this month of October is going to be crucial to game today and then next week. Boy, it, it, it's just going to be a tough situation for uh, teams both in the Eastern and the Western Division, though. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember the, the conversation you and I had. I've also had the same conversation on Dr. Cavill's show. I've also had the same conversation with, uh, with Brian Fulford and A.D. Drew. And I still believe the month of October will continue to be, um, you know, the road to the SWAC championship for Alabama A&M. But the margin of error is about as small as it can be for Coach Manor and the Bulldogs. I mean, yeah, they pull off a victory today. Then they pull off a victory against um, Florida A&M next week and then get their bye week, take on Magic City Classic. We'll take on Alabama State down at the Magic City Classic. Then all of a sudden, Alabama A&M is definitely in the driver's seat. But it still doesn't mean that they, they have a chance to let up any way, shape, or form because that one loss to Grambling still could come back to haunt in certain situations. It just really just does um, depend on how everybody else's schedules, you know, roll out. I mean, A&M basically still controls their own destiny, but they got a very, very small error, a margin of error. That's why I've said this multiple times. I think this 2021 SWAC football season is by far one of the best college football seasons we will see on HBCU football probably ever, or at least in quite a long time. And I think I can go back and say maybe the next best one, you got to go back probably either to 1999 or 2003 to see something of this similarity when it comes to the weekend and week out matchups. I would agree, 1999. I know that season well. We were happy campers. Well, Mo, I appreciate the time. Tell a little fella he did well. We got through the interview, and it's all about making adjustments. And this was a good, this was a good adjustment. Uh, appreciate the time. I know it's a huge matchup. Uh, if you want to, uh, last comments for you here on the Carlos Brown Show. Sure thing. Uh, well, first and foremost, Carlos, always appreciate you. Always good to talk with you and stuff. And it's always good to see all the everybody connecting and making some things happen um, as I, we continue to cover HBCU sports. One other thing I really want to say real quick about today's game is, yeah, there's been a lot of jaw jacking and trash talking and this, this and that between players and coaches and whatnot. And quite frankly, I love it. I really, really do. Um, because I really think that all that is really a part of the game. It's not like somebody's going out there um, from a coach's standpoint and calling out their mama or whatever stuff. Like, it's just pure 
you know, it's pure talk. And I kind of feel like you kind of get that old school feel of the swag once again. So I really did like all that. But at the end of the day, these young men have to turn around and, um, and play a football game on today, which I think may be one of the better games we'll see all year, at least on paper. Now, what ends up happening at 2 o'clock at Lewis Cruz Stadium, that will be interesting. But I will say this, for Alabama A&M to win, they've got to protect the football, they've got to run the football, and Aquil Glass can't force throws. He cannot do that. For Jackson State, they've got to turn the ball over and get those extra possessions out of Aquil Glass and get the ball in a better position for Shadur Sanders to work and uh, work his magic down the field. And sorry about that, phone fell. Uh, work his magic going down the field because that's what happened last week. Rambling had a freshman quarterback, starting for the first time and what are the best things for you to uh, do when you have a freshman quarterback give him great field position Noah Bowden uh, had great field position and he did what he was supposed to do to help Grambling's uh, offense succeed against Alabama A&M and score off of all those possessions so those are the things I'm looking forward to see when it comes to the X's and O's on Saturday well on today actually and then from there who can make other things happen in the special teams um, route as well so when you kind of look at all that, it's going to be a great game. Um, it's going to be a solid contest for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Huge game in the East Division. And I'm not – I would like to say the winner today is going to be in the driver's seat for the East. But at the same time, we still got a lot of season left or whatever with this matchup. But definitely it's going to be a good one here in the Rocket City. And it's also homecoming on the Hill. What kind of attendance you expecting? Give me an estimation. So I'm thinking, according to the way these, the Jackson State fans have been talking, they've been talking like they're coming here with, you know, the mindset of, quote, unquote, doing a takeover in Huntsville. Um, probably as soon as I get off here, I'm going to be heading over to the stadium to see what's happening. Um, I can see an attendance of close to 20, possibly. I know for sure Alabama a is going to come in and show out or whatever. I mean, they had a great attendance from the home side when they took on South Carolina State in that opening week. So now you add the ante that is homecoming and there's a key matchup or whatever taking place today. It could be that. Now, the thing I would love to see, I would love to see it rival the attendance of 1998 when Southern made uh, their trip here to Huntsville. And there's all kinds of pictures in the press box that show like people standing on the hills around the uh, stadium. Apparently the rumor is that they oversold the game uh, for that. Plus it was homecoming. That was Alabama A&M's transitional year, you know, as they were getting ready for to move from the SIAC to the SWAC. So I think at best you're going to see that. If not, you're going to see, you know, at least 20, maybe 18 or whatever. But it will definitely will depend. But yesterday I did see some Jack State folks in the stores. So they're here. It's just a matter of who else is coming here the rest of the day. Well, 1998, bring back memories. I still see Alabama and ms quarterback rushing for almost 200 yards. And Coach Pete Richardson was not a happy camper after the game. That was my only trip to Huntsville, beautiful area. And today it should be great weather, ESPN Plus, 2 p.m., 2.05. I can't wait. I'll be watching from afar, Mo. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Tell the little one and the wife hello, and we'll talk again real soon. All right. Will do, Carlos. As always, appreciate you. You and the guys take care. And, yeah, don't forget to look. 
Don't forget to look for my recap tonight on multiple um, social media platforms. Follow me, Twitter, at Mo Carter, Fox 54. You know, you know how I do. I'll get the highlights up, and hopefully we'll have post-game sound um, from both coaches. We're going to try for both coaches. No guarantee you're going to get both coaches, but I know for sure I'm going to have one coach for sure, you know, win, lose, or draw. If he does his Ric Flair imitation, well, I know he's a happy camper. If he doesn't, he may not be a happy camper, but uh, – or he may Can't be just wait. saving it. Huh? Yeah. Well, he may, he may hey. just be saving it. Championship, maybe Eastern Division. Oh well, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Both. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. Take care now. That was Morel Mo Carter, WZDX, Fox 54, Huntsville. Um, let me do this. Um, a couple of comments. Um from uh, some of the watchers, listeners here. We'll start with Jack. Uh, Jack says, we keep talking about Skelton as if he was the problem. But to the real issue is the jury is still out on the coaching staff. Well, let me say this. Ultimately, the coaching staff is going to be held responsible. We're talking about Southern University. And we had a conversation about Skelton. To me, as I said last week, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I know one thing. Skelton is a tremendous athlete. You can't take that away from him. But just in my humble opinion, Jack, it is easier to scheme against Skelton because his deficiency is in the passing game. Now, let's go back. McNeese State. They're up, what, 21 to 10, a great first half. The offensive coordinator and the offensive coaches, they put out a game plan that as far as throwing the football, it was the throws that he couldn't make, and he did well. I'll give him credit for that. But in the second half, and when you look at teams that, are just as good as Southern University from a talent standpoint in X's and O's. McNeese State made the adjustment. And that adjustment and Southern University and Skelton, no, he doesn't take all the blame, but he's running the offense second half. That interception led to McNeese State going right down the field, maybe two plays later it's going, and then momentum has, has changed. Yeah. It's ultimately going to be the coaches that are held responsible. But to me, McDaniels, with him running the offense, able to make all of the throws, I think you can expand, really expand your offense. To me, you're, you're kind of limited. No, you're not kind of. You are limited. It's certain things Skelton can't do. So it appears that Jack and some others, Michael, I, I, I saw all the comments. You believe that Skelton gives Southern the best chance to win. And Skelton, it's not like Skelton's not going to be involved in the game plan. It's just that you've got to figure out, and you should have by now, Coach Odoms, I guess, had to figure it figured out. He was going hell of high water with Skelton. 
but how can Skelton be more beneficial and efficient to this offense? Yeah, that's that, that's on this coaching staff now. But I'm telling you, to me, Bubba McDaniels gives defensive coordinators more to worry about. And by the way, from an athletic standpoint, he's not bad. Not bad at all. Kind of reminds me of Eric Randall, football, uh, quarterback of Southern University, stepping on the field in his freshman season. He was able to lead the offense, have a command of the offense as a freshman. And he got better from his freshman to senior year. And if things were not there, he was able to make things happen with his legs. I guess I will agree to disagree on who is the most effective, but we'll continue, I guess, to have this conversation. And I think someone said, well, the jury's still out. Yeah, on McDaniels. Two starts, two victories, albeit he's going to go up against more competition. But if that offensive line gives him uh, in, in their pass by the schemes, the opportunity, he can make every throw. Can Skelton make every throw like McDaniels? Going to take a timeout, top of the hour break. I'm scheduled to have his guest in the second hour, uh, Brandon B.J. Jones and Charles Edmund. And I'll read some more of, of your comments. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. The show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's it's the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll everybody <laughs> we all go why not enjoy the go with Charmin your ad could be ran here myjbn.com backslash support myjbn.com backslash support for more information
Welcome back to our number two of the Coles Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Now going to visit with Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football via audio. B.J., uh, I, I guess it's good afternoon now. Uh, yeah, man, good afternoon. How's it going, Carlos? Uh, it, it's going well. We had a little bit of a conversation with Morel McCarter, also Ryan McGinty, Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University. Now, uh, we're going to visit with B.J. Jones. Of course, that's you, the star of the football analyst of Inside HBCU Football. <laughs> B.J., let's get right into it. Some huge matchups today. One being Alabama and m hosting Jackson State homecoming. Kind of give us your analysis of how this football game may go and what we should be looking at inside this football game. Can the offensive line of Alabama A&M uh, protect the field glass? Give him time to uh, look downfield uh, and make all the throws. Can the field glass protect the football? Uh, we know what he does from a passing standpoint, but he, he leads the league, leads the conference in interceptions. Uh, and that Jack, that Alabama A&M receiving core. They're deep with Alaire, uh, Zay Moore, Jenkins. Uh, they, they have, you know, Ibrahim. Uh, uh, they are very deep there. Can Jackson State line up and defend all of them? Jackson State's corners are solid and pass coverage. Safeties, not so much. Those safeties are going to be forced to cover today. Uh, can that offensive line give Kill Glass the time to exploit that? And then on the other side of the football, can Alabama A&M keep a Jackson State offense that has been anemic running the football? Can it keep them that way? Or does Jackson State break out the big runs? Because if they do, it's going to be a long day. So I think those are going to be your keys uh, to this ball game and special teams. Place to circle around special teams. If Warren Newman is able to have a great day in the special teams, that bodes well for Jackson State. Well, and, and, and those are excellent points, uh, BJ. But I, I want to go back. Help, help me out here. Um, Jackson State defensively, number one in the conference. They play a lot of man coverage. And their, their front four gets a lot of pressure without having to, you know, blitz all the time to get that pressure, that front four. Question is to you, do you see Jackson State still doing this, uh, playing a lot of man coverage, or will they will they mix it up in this ballgame against the dynamic offense of Alabama and m If I was a guessing man, I would guess that they would have to mix it up. Reason being, this offense is better than any other offense that Jackson State has seen all year. It's not close. Uh so I think with this particular offense, you have to do something different. If you come out and you do what you've done for the entire year, then you leave yourself vulnerable with that offensive staff with uh, Connell Mayman and Dwayne Taylor. So I think you'll see a few different things. This with Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU football. And then another key component in this ball game, you kind of mentioned it. Jackson State in their run game. Now, they got someone else going to be calling uh, the plays, T.C. Taylor. How big of an adjustment is that going to be at this time making a change, or, or will it give Jackson State a spark? 
offensively as far as maybe running the football? I think with Jackson State, I don't think it was the play calling that stopped them from running the football. Uh, I think it, it's been the play of the offensive line. Um, Jackson State, uh, uh, to this point, uh, they averaged, uh, I think, right around 2.3 yards per carry. That's not play calling. That's the offensive line. Um, I, I do think that change of play callers can give you a little bit, bit of, of a spark. But th- that's, the spark is this. I'm giving you a new phone, but you still got all the same old contacts still in it. So you still don't want to contact the same people. Now, we may change uh, in the order in which you contact them, but it's still going to be the same. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I would say uh, let's wait and see kind of what happens there. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I don't like the, the coordinator move in the middle of the year. But, hey, we'll see. And how, how could I, how could I answer, ask this? With the running game, is that – Something that maybe a little, a bit by week by week, can they improve? Or because it seems like you're saying the old line is underperformed, is this something that can get better before the end of the season? That would be the goal. Or will you be able to 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 make changes after the season is over? Well, I think with a lot of the offensive line, it's make changes after the season. When you get to this point, the haze in the middle of the barn, there are certain things that you can scheme, but when it comes down to just man-on-man, me blocking you and moving some people out of the way as far as the running game, and I can't do that, ain't a lot from a scheme standpoint we can do to fix that. Um, and and, and when, you, when you get there, that's more of a personnel issue. Uh, so they, they may have some success today um, against Alabama A&M, uh, but, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, I, I said in the earlier segment uh, to Mo Carter, would you be worried if a goal for Jackson State would be simply if they can average about three to four yards running the football today? I asked you the same thing. Yeah. If, I, if Jackson State can get a three to four yards per carry, a place they haven't been all year, absolutely. <laughs> that is a win. That is a success. And that bowls well for Jackson State. Well, yeah. Yeah, busy with uh, Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. Uh, uh, another game today that has huge imp- implications, a Western Division matchup. Grambler State f- coming off a freshly off of a upset of Alabama and them. Now they go to the reservation, Lorman, Mississippi, to take on Alcorn State. And, and, and B.J., you know, we often talk about Southern's ineptness against Alcorn State. But Grandma State, over the last 10 games, they've had success. But I think it's going to be tough today, Grandma State going to Alcorn State. What, what, what's your thoughts and perspective on, on that ball game today, which starts as well on ESPN Plus at 2 p.m.? If Grambling can play a solid game defensively, force that offensive line into mistakes. Remember how that offensive line looked that first half against Arkansas Pine Bluff, the pressure they were able to put on Felix Harper. If the Gremlins able to duplicate that, be smart on the offensive end, give Noah Biden uh, some easy throws to make, be able to run the football, then we have an interesting contest. Uh, but that, that all-corn defense, they're solid as well. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see how Noah Biden plays today against a defense that's a lot better than what he saw a week ago. 
Uh, I think that Grambling can keep this thing close. Ultimately, I like Alcorn to win it. But I think Grambling can make this thing very, very interesting. BJ, I heard from uh, a Grambling night last weekend. He, he was smiling because we didn't give Grambling State a chance against Alabama and him. So he had to remind me. And he told me to remind you that, hey, our predictions were were off. Hey, that happens. That happens when you're predicting games sometimes. Oh, but, uh, yeah. But but this Alcorn State football team, I know they've kind of had some injuries on, on, on you know, defensively. Um, what has to happen for this Alcorn State? I, I guess my, my thing is, I'm wondering, and right now it seems like uh, Alcorn State, this team is perhaps not as good as the team, of course, uh, in 2018 and 2019. Is that fair to, 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 to make that observation right now? Uh, work in progress. I don't think that no one outside of Prairie View looks as good as they did uh, in, in 2019. I, I think teams are now about to start hitting that mid-season form. Um, as you can remember, Alcorn didn't look as good in 2019 at the beginning of the year as they did at the end. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. Um, I think Alcorn will eventually get there. And, and, and this game is crucial. Western Division contest. No one can afford a loss. If, 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 you, if you're grambling, you lose this one. Now you have two losses in the division. You, you're, you, you're looking up. Uh, so this game is going to be so important. But Alcorn, no, they're not to 2019 form yet, but it's a possibility that they may get there. Potential-wise, they, they, they can get there. But I, I, I'll tell you now, those, those Alcorns, state team 2018 especially, to me, was the best one debatable about 2019 and uh good excellent point about uh, the work in progress right now speaking of a work in progress but Prairie View and them 3-0 in conference play uh so far but the meat of their schedules for us in the western division is coming up against um uh, southern university at Alcorn State but uh Prairie View should feel Feel, feel pretty good right now, BJ, as far as what they've done in conference play. Oh, absolutely. Our purview is look, they have looked apart, um, and they've doing, they're have doing they doing it offensively, defensively. Uh, they're physical, which has been a knock on purview in the past. Um, so far, man, that they, they look like a team that could be playing uh, for something in, in, in December. It's going to be interesting to see, like you said, on the road at Southern. On the road and on the road in Lorman, Mississippi against Alcorn State. They got a couple of football games coming up. Uh, Prairie View does. Well, and Prairie View had them three and zero, of course, in the Western Division. Alcorn State one and zero, Southern one and zero, Grambling State one and one, Texas Southern zero one, Arkansas Pine Bluff zero and two. Now, BJ, on Tuesdays on Twitter, you you release your top five. HBCU football teams. Um, let's talk about it here on, on, on today's show, your top five uh, football teams. So at number five, I currently have Florida a and um, after that win uh, that they had against Alabama State. Uh, in the uh, number 
uh, four spot. Uh, help me, uh, Carlos. I think in the four spot was. Huh. I think well, it was I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> Hold on, I'll tell you really quick. Oh, uh, I can actually go back to that. Um, because I'm already start starting to think about who I'm going to have this week. Uh, but uh, fam, you was in the top spot. Me was in that five spot. And the reason I had them at five, I, I originally had Alcorn a week ago. Uh, but what I looked at what FAMU was able to do against Alabama State, and if you look at that one loss, that one loss who was to number one, Jackson State, who currently I have at number one, uh, and that was a one-point loss. Um, I, I had Fairview at, at five. I dropped Alabama A&M down to number four. Um, after that, loss to Grand Lake State. They were previously number one. Uh, number three was North Carolina A&T. Um, I like the way that that football team looks. Uh, two. Uh, the Panthers are Prairie View A&M, and then one, uh, right now, the Tigers are Jackson State. Yeah. Well, I- any disagreement on, on Twitter? Um, re- really, listening to it, I, I, I can't see. You might can make a, you know, as you stated with all corner state not, not being in there, but um, I, I think it's pretty solid. Most of the disagreement, believe it or not, that I've gotten have been from people from North Carolina A&T saying, hey, A&T should be one. And I'm like, I'm not going about who's the top program of the last couple of years. I'm looking at 2020 only. Yeah. North Carolina A&T lost to Furman, who's not a really good football team. Um, we can excuse the losses, uh, the, you know, the loss to, to, to Duke. Uh, they did look impressive, but we can go. The thing about it is top five is week to week. And we are in early October. It's all going to play out, people. Don't 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 get too tied up on who's who, who's who, where. Uh, everyone's going to play each other. It, it, that'll be they're going to be still going to move up, move out. You know, drop in, drop out. It's all going to work itself out. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Still, a lot of football uh, left to be played. I, I, I see BJ Norfolk State on on some polls. They they entered the poll there. They have a bye week this week. Of course, North Carolina NT and North Alabama uh, today. But it, 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 in the conference, as, as we close out this segment, uh, Jackson State at Alabama A&M and Grambling State at Alcorn State. Kind of, let, let's see if I can put you on the spot. Jackson State and Alabama A&M. Who wins that ball game? And who wins? Uh, I think you kind of told us about Grambling State and Alcorn. So Jackson State and Alabama and them, who who do you have winning this ball game? I've been going back and forth on this one. Uh, ultimately, I, I like Alabama and them. I think that them being back at home, for homecoming, coming off their loss, that loss was exactly what they needed to kind of refocus. I like Alabama and them. I think offensively, they might be a little bit too much. We know defensively they're not the best, but that defense is opportunistic. They make plays when they have to, and they might come down to one of those big plays today. Uh, Gremlin Alcorn, I like Alcorn State. I think it will be close. Now, this is going to be key, Carlos. If Alabama A&M wins today, the game of Huntsville next week against Florida A&M is going to be just as big as the one today because FAMU is all quiet. They're laying around the chicken coop. They can play themselves right back into this thing with a win. If Alabama A&M wins today, and a fam, you win next week. Now you got a three-way tie, uh, at, you know, for first place in the Eastern, um, in the Eastern uh, Division. So 
it's going to be interesting, but uh, no, we'll see. We'll see. Last, last quick question. And from from your your conversations you've had, is there more? I guess I put it this way: excitement or more conversation, maybe a better way to put it, between who's going to come out of the East or or the West? Because I, I know on social media you have, well, the West is 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 tougher and better. Eastern Division is better. What has that conversation been going uh, go, going on as far as Eastern Division, Western Division, the most conversation? Right now it's the West uh, with uh, Alcorn State, Prairie View, Southern, uh, and, 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 and Grambling. I, I think that um, a lot of people are talking on the, about the West, but I think it all depends on the school you are. Because the people from Alabama A&M and Jackson State family, all they can talk about is the East. You know, the East coming down to one of those three schools. Uh, and then, you know, we're talking about schools that may not be in it. They're going to play a part in it. Right now, everybody's in it. People forget about Alabama State. People forget about, forget about six and seven. Those teams, if they don't make it, still have a lot to say about who does because a loss from them hurts just like a loss from anyone else. Uh, so I think it's about even for the first time in a long time, Carlos. It's even. We're not just waiting for Alcorn to come out of the East and waiting for the Bayou Classic to determine the West. I think we're going to have full competition on both sides, and it, 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 I think it's going to come down to the wire in the Eastern and Western Division. Still a lot of football left to be played, and it's going to be interesting this 2021 uh, swag football season. And, you know, I made a comment earlier, and maybe I have to revisit it. I, I said because of, B.J., all of the hype coming into the, the – to the conference and in the football season it, it it hasn't quite lived up to the hype but after this week and the next week maybe I have to revisit that and maybe I can say um the actual football has lived up to the hype but we'll see we'll see uh BJ I appreciate the time as always uh, we'll talk with you next week have a great rest of your, of your weekend all right, you have a good one, uh, Chief Carlos. And uh, like I said, it may not have, have lived up to the hype, but I think October will change that. Yeah, I think you are right. That's why I said I may have to revisit that. But uh, uh, safe travels uh, to you, BJ. We'll talk with you again next week. All right, looking forward to you. All right, that was Brandon BJ Jones of Inside HBCU uh, Football. I'm looking. Where is Charles Edmund? I'm scheduled to visit with him next, a, a big ball game, of course, in Lorman, Mississippi, Alcorn State. It's homecoming for the Braves, and they're hosting Grambling State University. You know, Coach Fobbs uh, said on a conference call at one point that, hey, he wanted everybody to know in the last 10 games, they were sort of like 8-2 and two against Alcorn State. So it's interesting how one school matches up well with one school and then does it with the with the other school. Of course, you you know me. I've made it a, a, a point of mentioning whenever I can Southern's anemic record against Alcorn State in his last 10-11 ball games. Hopefully this year the streak ends for Southern University against Alcorn State, but before then, still a lot of football left to be played. You gotta win the week, one week at a time. I'm going to take a time out. When I come back, I'm scheduled to visit with Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network. 
and also read some more of your comments. The Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. We don't duck and die. Ain't no ever words on my skit. 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 Just saying, just saying. We're that close, man. We're going to let you have the last word uh, in terms of uh, Alabama and uh, fans. But anything that you can share with the viewers. Any last thoughts you want to share? Did I want to share? Yeah. Oh, go, go Bulldogs! Hey, baby, y'all tune in ESPN this week, and uh, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to make you proud and uh, give you a good show, offensive, defensive, special team, and uh, represent the way the Bulldogs represent. Don't worry, it's all a part of the game. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Doctor Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab course. Lecture dismissed. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. You see him now, a weekly guest, sometimes co-host Charles Evans of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Charles, it's good afternoon to you. How's it going? Good afternoon. I didn't realize until about four hours ago that you uh, you changed times from 12 to 2 instead of, what was it, 11 to 1 instead of uh, 10 to 12. Yeah, uh, Central Standard Time, uh, uh, a move for the team on the Black College Sports Network, at least to the rest of football season. So, hey, I'm a team player. And, and you know, between Roy, Dr. Cavill, Brian, A.D., Neely, Charles Bishop, uh, Brian Fulver, and the guys over at the uh, the fam you crew, as the way I call it. Um, hey, I just try to try to do my part. But guess what? There is 
a big game in Lorman today. Happy homecoming to uh, Alcorn State. You got Grambling State in charge, just quite simply. Coach Forbes has let me know over the years the success, although they have, haven't had success overall the last few years, they've had success against Alcorn State. Go figure. Yeah, yep. They've won seven of the last nine meetings between these two teams, Grambling has. And I think it's just a situation where lately Grambling's defense, you know, if you go back two years ago, you know, we played them over there at Grambling. We had won five in a row. Felix Harper was red hot slinging it all over the yard, and we go there. And even though we missed the field goal at the end, we had some chances. We were held to 16 points in four quarters in overtime. We lost 19-16 in one of the better low-scoring SWAT games you'll see. Grambling scored with 30 seconds left in the game to tie it up, and we just let it slip away. And so I, I think this is going to be a very intense matchup. And, uh, you know, Broderick Fobbs, I talk with him all the time, and he wouldn't have it any other way. He said it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be tough. Let's see how his team stands up here on Alcorn's homecoming with a packed house and considering what his team did last week. Can they build on it with Noah Bowden getting his, uh, getting his second start at quarterback today? Should be an interesting uh, matchup with our defense trying to at least contain or at least derail this grambling offense. Yeah, I, I, I would agree because – um, when you look at the Alcorn State team, I, I think defensively, didn't you guys get some, um, some 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 players back that had some bumps and bruises? And and, and offensively, of course, you, you know with uh, uh, Felix Harper and what he's been able to, to, to do. Will this game come down to a, a couple of factors, Charles, Spe- special teams? being one, but um, can Grambling State offensively with their, with their freshman cessation, will he stand up to, I believe, the pressure that Alcorn State is going to try to bring defensively? Well, I think clearly, you know, uh, Grambling had the edge a little bit, especially last week and Bowden getting his first start. I mean, I think what he was able to do after his team was down 14 to nothing, getting his first start against the SWAC champs at home was something pretty special because Grambling – was down 14 to nothing in that game in a blink of a nine. And once the offense got going, you know, second, third quarter, they weren't stopped. Uh, I, I think the Braves have some good film on them, some good intel. And the question is going to be now uh, what's going to take place in terms of how you make that adjustment from one game to the next. And I think that's going to be, you know, the key matchup, I think. But probably the more important matchup is going to be our offense against Grambling's defense. I mean, let's just be honest. In the second, and for most of the first half and into the third quarter, a- Alabama A&M's offense was in check pretty good, albeit self-inflicted wounds with six turnovers in the game. Um, and, you know, you, you knew at some point the turnovers, they've been happening, I think, off and on for a while at A&M, but it just caught up with them last week. You know, so but Gremlin took advantage of it and had good field position all game long. So we'll, we'll see how, how this defense – Grambling's defense matches up against a high-flying Braves offense in which in the second half, what, they scored 33 points in the second half against Pine Bluff. If they can pick up where they left off 16 days ago, I think the Braves will win this game going away, but it's going to be a lot tougher defense we're looking at today. Charles, it seems like the last couple of weeks, I'm always, you know, I, I, I like offense. I like being able to throw the football when you're able to do that. But of late, I've been thinking that running game 
you know, and being balanced offensively. In that second half of all core state, uh, didn't they, uh, weren't they able to uh, be able to start running the football more? And how important is that going forward for this all core state uh, football team, of course, like today? I mean, it, it's important for this team every week to be able to run the football. You know, I talk with offensive coordinator Elliot Rad, and one of his favorite phrases is, we're going to run that football. And the one thing that I must say the Braves do that, based on my four eyes and the eyeball test that other teams don't do quite as much, the Braves continue to run the football even when it's not effective. They continue to stick with the run, whereas other teams kind of bail out of the run. And when it's not working after a couple of series or three series, they just sling it all over the place. And that, that works to their detriment. In the first half, we could not run the football. Felix Harper was a statute in the pocket. You got to give Pine Bluff credit for really crashing the pocket. But in the second half, they're able to roll Felix out left and right, create some throwing lanes, and then that opened up the running game. Nico Duffy got going. The running game got going. And when this Braves team can run downhill and run the football with effectiveness, it just opens up everything else. And in part, that's the reason why the Braves were so effective in the second half against Pine Bluff. And it's going to be tough sledding running the football against Grambling today. I mean, they're very physical. You know, they got after glass pretty good. They hit them pretty good. So Felix Harper's going to have to have a clean pocket. He's got to create some separation and make some things happen because Gremlin's coming for him. But I think Felix Harper has an answer. Visiting with Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network and our SWAC Sports Report. We'll come back, Charles, to more of Gremlin State and uh, Alcorn State. Um, kind of get your thoughts on last week's ball games. The schedule went like this, of course, uh, South Carolina State over Bethune-Cookman. Uh, 42 to 35. Of course, we were just talking about Grambling State over Alabama and them 37 to 28. Texas Southern gets on the winning column over North America <laughs> 69 to 0. Charles, I've never, and, and, and I had Ryan McGinty on earlier. I, I, I forgot to ask him about North American uni, University. I guess I'm going to say University. Never heard of him before. Neither have I. I have no idea who they played. I know the score, and I have no idea, and I don't think very few people know who they played or know about who they played. I get it. I understand what the, the concept behind it. You know, you, you see this from time to time, probably more so with TSU. You know, they played the Ecclesias of the world and others in football. They just want to taste a victory. And it doesn't matter who you play, the D2, D3, NAIA, you just want to taste a victory because TSU has not had that success. I get it. You know, and we'll see today against Southern University where they can build upon that. Was that a was that a fallacy last week, or is there something to it? You know, if you, if you look at what they did last week, we'll see. Well, you know what, Charles? Uh, earlier, someone asked me about this ball game, and I said I'd go on a hunger strike if Southern, <laughs> if, if Southern University uh, would lose the ball game today. I, I, I better not make that statement because stranger things have have happened because I look at this Texas Southern football team when they made the, the, the switch to body at quarterback and the put up, albeit playing up against a, a, a not a very good Rice team, but hey, they were able to put up. And it seems like to me, that's when this team kind of changed and got a little, you know, got some momentum. So, hey, you can't take anybody for granted. What's the old saying on any given Saturday, Charles? Any given, any given Saturday, anything can happen. And there's precedent for this too, Carlos. I mean, Look at what Alcorn was able to do with South Alabama. 
you know, the week before. And even though we stumbled a little bit against Pine Bluff early, we got it going. So, yeah, there is some precedent about gaining momentum when you play up like that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that leads to much of anything. Well, and speaking of much of anything, um, last time we had saw Mississippi Valley State, uh, what, 38-25, lost to Southern University. And, and you know, I felt like a, it was almost a loss. Glad to get the win. Um, and then Mississippi Valley State comes out and beats North Carolina Central, 17-16. to You know, we always say Mississippi Valley State's going to come up and beat somebody one day. They were able to do it. You know, they always play hard. You love Coach Dancy. Uh, they were able to do it, y'all, 17-16 over North Carolina Central. Well, we gotta. I gotta give Ad Drew. Gotta turn the clock back to a media day. He made a prediction that no team in this conference would go winless. And you know, if you look at what Valley did last year and their struggles over the years and winning a game, that prediction came true. As uh, I saw the finish of that game, it was wild. I mean, it was a crazy finish. It was on Valley's homecoming. Uh, you know, congratulations to Valley Coach Dancy. You know, very uh, underrated coach, one of the hardest working coaches that you'll ever find. Nice guy. Um, you know, you're you're happy to see that program do some do some good things. If they get Cookman today, we go we go to Valley next week, and no telling what Rice Time Stadium is gonna look like next week when we go up there for a three o'clock kickoff. So uh, it's it's gonna be uh, very interesting to say the least. And and I would agree, Charles. FAMU, I got a chance to listen to uh, some of that ball game defensively. FAMU was nasty. They shut out Alabama State 28-0. to zero. And, you know, kind of the last time you saw FAMU in a, a big moment, the, the opening game, an Orange Blossom Classic. You talked about even then, defensively, you saw the potential and uh, offensively, you just had to decide on the quarterback. Quietly? Coach Simmons has gotten it done, but a big victory over Alabama State. And, hey, next week, Alabama and them host FAMU. Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I will say this, you know, Alabama State, I'm really kind of disappointed in the in the defensive effort. But I'm also disappointed probably more so in the lack of offense for Alabama State. You know, we were kind of riding that train last, in the spring what they did against Jackson State, they were scoring points. And for them to lay a goose egg, obviously got the attention of Dr. Ely, the administration. Bama State made a change in changing out the offensive coordinator there. So Dr. Ely obviously feels like a change needed to be made. You know, those two programs, three and a half, four hours away, pretty good rivalry. And for Bama State not to get off the bus offensively is kind of disappointing. And so their change was made there. But I'll tell you what, Florida A&M getting their legs under them. I mean, they're scoring some points. Uh, their defense is getting a little more stout. And I said, they have you in the East. I'm going to stick with that despite their loss to JSU early. Looks like uh you starting to hit their stride a little bit. Charles, plenty of us had <laughs> FAMU coming out of the East. And, and, and some um, listeners, some watchers of the show, hey, they, they've let me know know already that hey that prediction is not gonna hold up and my answer was hey it's still plenty of football left so we'll see i'm busy with charles Emmon of the all course state radio network he's live in Lorna, mississippi as you can see in the broadcast room uh, i think charles i've been in that room uh, plenty of times 
not um, not a happy camper. You know, uh, Charles, you looked for me, I was gone. Huh? <laughs> I'm getting I turned back, back one day. I said, my buddy Carlos Brown is here enjoying the game. Carlos, how you feeling? And I heard nothing but crickets. You were gone. You had already left the scene. You see, I left the scene. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, not not a happy camper, and uh, you know fireworks going on. That was 2018 <laughs> SWAC championship game, and you know, hey, I'm 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 going to the celebration bowl anyway. But it's nice to see your alma mater there. But uh, Alcorn State stopped them two years in a row, and then the last time I was there, a regular season game, cold, rainy. Uh, wow, just. It's been a tough place, but um, a beautiful uh, university. Charles, this week game, Jackson State, of course, at Alabama and then We're going to kind of get some predictions now from you. Um, UAPB, got a lot of uh, 2 p.m. games at Alabama State. Grandma State at all point, of course, 2 p.m. 4 p.m., Southern University in Texas Southern. Mississippi Valley State at Bethune-Cookman at uh, 4 p.m. I guess that's Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, South Carolina State at FAMU at 5 p.m. Okay, Jackson State, Alabama A&M, probably the game of the week, most would say. How do you see this ball game going, Charles? Um, I'm, and even though Alabama A&M clearly, you know, six turnovers last week offensively, defensively they were shredded a little bit. Um, and and Car- Carnell Maynard said they got to fix that. They got to fix the turnovers. I think defensively they got to get it fixed long term, but it's not going to happen this week. Although I do think A and M's going to win the game, and I'm only saying that A and M's going to win the game because they're at home. If the game were in Jackson, I would say Jackson State would win the game. But I think A and M will fix it defensively just enough, and I think offensively they'll score. Even though JSU's defense is stout, let's not let's not sell that defense short. We have yet to see a team really slow down any of them. Six turnovers and still almost had 30 points last week against Grambling. So I, I think AM will win the game. Um, that's my prediction, although I don't see a lot changing on the defensive side of the ball. It's hard to slow down glass or even shut down glass for that matter. AM at home. Well, I've kind of been going back and forth with this game in my head all week. You know how I feel about Jackson State. I love them to death. Their fan base is just like Southern University. Um, one of the things that I looked at, and, and, and I really believe uh, Jackson State, can they get more out of the running game? O-line is underachieved, many have said, stated, but that's going to be one key. Can they, if, if they can average three yards, three to four, and that may be a tall task, boy, I think that makes them that much tougher. Jackson State defensively play a lot of man coverage, going against the most explosive offense, one of the most explosive offenses of FCS. Will they mix it up a little bit? Alabama and them coming off a loss, and I thought maybe they were looking for uh, looking ahead, Charles, a little bit, but Grandma State played well, took advantage of opportunities. You look at the coaching matchups, all of the, you know, the jaw jacking before the game. It's got to be one on the field. Charles, I'm really leaning toward Jackson State because defensively, 
they can get some turnovers. And that defense is really, really good. I have to give credit where credit is, is due. The key is going to be, can they provide some balance? If they can they, they're able to run the football, that takes some of the pressure off of uh, uh, Sanders Jr., which I like to call him sometimes. And then Alabama and them defensively. They're not that good, Charles, but can they play their best game of, uh, of the season? Guess what, Charles? I'm going with Jackson State on the road. Can you believe that? Uh, I, I, uh, I think it's going to be a close one. I, I know you're shocked, Charles. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I, I am. And the reason, the other reason why I'm, I'm not picking Jackson State is because, you know, Shadour Sanders was banged up. And to your point about the running game, you know, Jackson State, and I've said this, and I've said this boldly, and it's true. Jackson State hadn't had a running game in a decade. You know, they have yet to, to run the football with any consistency for the last 10 years. And that's been a part of their problem. You have Ivy, you have Sanders. It doesn't matter, in fact, they're at quarterback. You can't run the football, you're in trouble. And I think that's – Jackson State has to be able to do that, at least stay committed to it enough to keep the defense honest. You sling it all over the yard, you are asking for trouble. When you throw the football, three things can happen, two things are bad. So you, you all know how that works. And if Sanders is banged up at that, if the running game can't get it going, they're forced to pass the football. I think it's going to be a tough day for Jackson State. That's why I have AM winning the game. You know, that and the fact that they're at home. Jackson State averages three yards today running the football. And, and an excellent point. If you got to be committed to doing that, yeah. And if if you start off not you know, running the football well, still be committed to it because if you have to face a team offensive that potentially can be balanced, it gives you much more. But I guess I shocked you, Charles, taking Jackson's Jackson State uh, in, in this ball game, UAPB at Alabama State. UAPB, I, I I don't know what to think, Charles. It's um, not not playing well. Um, came in with a chip on the shoulder after winning the spring, and prognosticators had them deep down in the standings. But I guess the prognosticators seemed to know something that others didn't. But they had Alabama State. Alabama State um, tends to play better at home. They got shut out in their last game. Boy, this is a toss-up, Charles. Who, who who wins this ball game? Um, I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it to UAPB just because of the experience with Perry, and even though he was benched against Prairie View, um, I think with this new offensive coordinator for Bama State, I think it's gonna be a work in progress. I think it's still gonna be a struggle for them to score, albeit at home. I think UAPB clearly has the weapons. Uh, but I think they don't always execute. And they don't always stay committed to the run either, just like what we've been talking about. Uh, but, you know, I think they've got more, more, more weapons. I think they're just a better football team, albeit they've lost two very tough games in, in conference. I'm still going with UAPB. Bama State's got some work to do. Yeah, UAPB, you said it, has all of the weapons. Um, and, and Doc Gamble, don't gamble so much. <laughs> you know, in, in, in the ball games, and uh, I, I just think UAPB is a better team. Although Alabama State tends to play better at home, we'll come back to Grandma State and Alcorn Southern and Texas Southern. Now we're talking about uh, 
on this segment about teams not committed to the run, not running the ball well. Well, you look at a team that's been the best running team the last two years. Passing it has been a problem consistently in the past. But now with McDaniels and, and Charles, you saw that text message I, I sent to you. And uh, uh, <laughs> McDaniels is the starter going forward. But um, Charles, Skelton will play. He will play. And I think at multiple positions. You'll see this Southern team want to establish a run right off the bat, and they're able to do that. They're going to keep Texas Southern explosive offense off the field. I like Southern University in this ball game, but, hey, they can't underestimate Texas Southern University. But the running game should be clicking today. Yeah, I have Southern winning the game. I mean, I think they're just a better team overall. But I tell you what, you know, you – as I say this all the time, if you play around with it, if you play around with Texas Southern, they're going to beat you. And even though that's a tough statement to make considering what they haven't done, which is win games, I think TSU feels like they can they can get it done. Southern's the better team. And, I, you know, McDaniels will get the start. You and I have been texting about that. You know my stance on it. And I'll say this. If Southern wants to get to where they really want to go, they're going to need Skelton. And whatever, whether he catches a pass, whether it's with his legs at quarterback, Skelton will be a big part of this thing at the end of the day for Southern University. I understand you go with the hot hand. I understand you go with the with the pocket pass. I get it. I get all of that. You know, and I, I, I'm not. I just Skelton just scares me, and I'm not saying that because we had success against him. His athleticism, you have to account for. And so, if McDaniel struggles in the pocket, if TSU gets heat on him, then what are you going to do? You're going to go back to the more mobile quarterback and skill that could happen. Maybe not. I don't know, but you know, we'll see if, if Southern can stretch the field, if they can commit to the run, then yes, it works to McDaniel's favor. Cause then all the tools are available to you at receiver and tight end when you can run the football. It almost sounds like it's painful when you talk about Skelton. He, 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 he will play. I envision him in the backfield on times. Can, can we just give him a taste of, Hill Packers and call it the Skelton, the Darius Skelton Packers. <laughs> um, and, and McDaniels is a dangerous man. You talk about, yeah, Skelton scares me, but in a different way than yeah. the way you're, you're, you're talking about. But, hey, he's going to be needed. Um, McDaniels and that running game, it just opens up so, so much. But um, we both like Southern – this ball game. Mississippi Valley State at Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman needs a win in the worst way, Charles. I I I, I like them because they're at home. Bethune Cookman gets their first win. First win of the season. Albeit, I think it's gonna be a tough ball game. They're at home. Bethune Cookman gets it done. Family plays them tough. Yeah. Um this one is, you know, I've been teeter-tottering back and forth. Is the Valley win over Central enough of a momentum boost to where they can go to Daytona, make that long trip, and, and beat Cookman? I'm going to say no. I, I think I think, I think, think Bethel Cookman is going to be one of the toughest spoilers, one of the toughest outs the rest of this season. And, and, we, gotta, and we go to them next month in a game that's critical for us. I'm going to go with Bethel Cookman in this game. They're at home. I think Valley will play with a lot of heart and a lot of pride and a lot of grit. 
And at the end of the day, I, I, I think Dallas is going to have to score some points, and I, I don't see it happening today. Last but not least, two teams that are familiar with each other, South Carolina State at FAMU. You know, South Carolina State, you always talk about a tough team, physically, Coach Pugh. They know FAMU. FAMU at home against South Carolina State. I'm, I'm going to go with FAMU. They're going to get it get it done. If, if they're able to run the football, and we've been talking about that a lot, teams having to commit to the run and getting it done on there. I think FAMU is the better team, but this is another one that's going to be a, a, a tough ball game. But if that same FAMU defense shows up that showed up last week, it could make it awfully tough. But I, I, I think the game will be uh, close, but I think FAMU will, will, will be able to – to whole serve at home. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the more higher scoring games of the day. To be honest with you, we've seen South Carolina State can score. Like Florida and them has found a little bit of a rhythm offensively. It's going to be an entertaining game. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going with FAMU probably 31 to 29. High scoring game. FAMU will win. Probably a field goal at the end. Well, those are the games for this week. And uh, Charles, now last week we we didn't get a chance to uh, talk about it. Um, Alcorn State and and um, decide to move in a direct another direction with 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 Horn. Um, we'll, I'll just ask this: Is there a timeline that? the university would like to name a, a permanent AD to put in place, or is, is it an ongoing situation? Well, we, we announced uh, yesterday that Cyrus Russ, who is our compliance uh, officer, has been named interim athletics director. And I spoke with uh, Cyrus Russ the other day, um, working on some other stuff and, um, you know, looking forward to the opportunity to get some stuff done and, I kind of heard his name, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the, you know, the, the whispers there that he, that he probably would be named it, and he was. So I, I don't have a timeline in terms of when a permanent AD will be, you know, will be named. But for right now, um, I think Cyrus Russ will do a good job. Uh, he's been doing some of the day to day stuff, even when um, Derek Horn was athletic director, he was doing some of the day to day stuff. So I think for Cyrus Russ, he just kind of slides on into that position. Think he'll do a good job, and uh, they say keep keep the truck in the middle of the road. I understand that. We've got about hmm, five and a half minutes, six minutes left. I'm going to add AD Mississippi Valley State fan Drew. He has uh, some some update on some scores. AD, what you have? What's going on, fellas? How you doing, AD? <laughs> Speaking of Mississippi Valley State, you know, if you're a betting man, Mississippi Valley State is getting 11 points at Bethune today. Might be something you may want to invest in. You know, Mississippi Valley really hasn't had a problem scoring this year. So I'm taking that 11 points uh, at Mississippi Valley State. But that's not what we're on here to talk about right now. <laughs> just just giving uh, some quick scoring updates. In Big South action, uh, 12 minutes ago in the second quarter, North Carolina A&T, 10, North Alabama, 7. Close. And everything else uh, is going on is in the CIAA. 
Uh, reigning up in Virginia, Virginia Union is up 16 nothing over Lincoln in the second. Uh, Winston-Salem up 16 nothing over Johnson C. Smith in the second. Shaw, nine, Fayetteville, six, five minutes remaining in the second. And with 342 remaining in the second, Bowie, seven, Shawan, three, but Bowie is, excuse me, Shawan is driving on Bowie. They have the ball in the Bowie red zone. And if they score before we uh, close out, I will let you know. Well, Charles, Grambling State, and Alcorn State. Alcorn State wins the ball game. Three keys to victory for Alcorn State uh, this afternoon. Got to be able to stay committed to the run. Got to be able to put some points on the board against this Grambling defense and uh, wear them down. And we have to be better on special teams. They have a 65-yard kickoff return to Pine Bluff. Had a punt block for a touchdown against Pine Bluff. Got to clean that up if uh, we're going to beat some of these better teams in the conference that we got coming up, the Valleys, the Gramlings of the world, the Texas Southerns and the Southerns. Got to be able to clean up the special teams if we're going to get to where we want to go. Special teams, I would agree with you on that. Also, been the theme in this segment, teams committed and being able to run the football. In other words, Charles, a balanced team is a winning team offensively. You got to be able to do uh, both. Um, Dwight says, good afternoon, franchise. Good afternoon. Um, Janice says, go Jags. Johnny Johnson says, Jags 37, TSU 17. Interesting. Interesting to say the least. Charles, one thing, and I think I'm putting pressure on Southern's defense. I, I, I want to see more consistent, consistency, and they've got to uh, perform better. Starting today, defensively, tackling has been an issue. Gap uh, control, gap integrity has been some of the things Coach Rollins has talked about. Today, you want to see these things starting to happen as far as getting that defense playing more consistently going going forward, Charles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what they jumped out on McNeese, couldn't hold, couldn't hold it. I mean, so you you clearly see, you know, some positive signs on one side of the ball for Southern, but you, you, it's about playing a four-quarter game. And if that defense wears down, and we've seen that when I hate to go back to all corn Southern, you clearly see that when the when the Braves are gashing and they're running the football with effectiveness. It's hard for anybody to slow them down, including Southern. So I think what you got to do if you're Southern University, got to get after that quarterback, got to get off the field, and then just kind of manage the game from there. Get off to a good start. I mean, they did that against McNeese. Now they have to That's field on right, it against Texas Southern. Putting together four quarters. That's uh, their goal, and that's the benchmark that they they did just, they just – have to me, and uh, I, I knew you would bring up an example of all corn state and southern, but I, but I'm not gonna fall for it. I'm not gonna get the blood pressure up and, and excited about that. Uh, hey, it is what it is, and uh, all corn and southern. If things go 
in the right direction, that could be a huge ball game coming up in, in November. But before then, each team has uh, games before then, and they got to take care of business week in and week out. Charles, got one minute left. Closing comments about this segment of today's ball game. Well, keep in mind, and, and one thing when we talk about these games like Alcorn, Grambling, Jackson State, and AM, they're conference games, but they're interdivision games. They actually count twice if you think about it. You know, AM's back is against the wall. Jackson State can pretty much knock them out with a win today. And this game here, you know, we're in the West. Grambling's got a loss. You know, this game counts twice for someone. So keep keep that in mind as you look at these look at these conference games. I think it'll be a fun Saturday in the swag today with all these games starting pretty much the same time. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, remember it's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the the rest of the football season, which will uh, carry us into uh, December. One thing, before, Ryan, before we go, before we go, uh, okay, go has to increase their lead to 17 to seven with 11 minutes to go in the in the second period. That was quick. That was quick. A&T trying to make some more statements. They're saying they're the best football in, in several of our polls, but JSU uh, has that number one spot. Now, I want to thank Ryan. Go ahead. You got something else, AD? I was going to say, it looks like the Bowie State defense has held – Looks like Shawan is getting ready to attempt a field goal with just under two minutes to go. And if we can hold on for 30 seconds, I can tell you whether this field goal is good before we sign off. Special teams, how important. These are the top two teams in the CIAA, Bowie and Shawan. Well, I tell you what, Carlos, I mean, quickly, you know, we look at these polls, you know, A&M dropped in the polls. I thought they would probably drop no more than fifth in these polls. It looked like that turned out to be the case, fourth in some, fifth in others. I, I didn't see them dropping below fifth, even though they lost last week. And the kick yeah. was no good. Bowie remains up 7-3 over Shawan with 128 remaining. Right. Thanks for that update, A.D. want to thank A.D. Drew, also producer of today's show, Ryan McGinty, Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University. He joined us in route to Arlington, Texas. Morell Mo Carter of WZDX, Fox 54 in Huntsville. Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. And, of course, Charles Edmund. Make sure. You tune in next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time for the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless. Carlos, got to go.